Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another edition. Now in today's program, for you coaches out there, I'm going to offer you some real rationale as to why you are such special people. And so just bear with me on this one. And uh, I'm going to uh, put something forward and I'm going to say, whether you realized it or not, you are doing the most important job in the world. So congratulations, give yourselves a pat on the back and sit back and enjoy the next few minutes while I tell you why you are so special, particularly as football coaches. Now to everybody else who listens to the podcast, who isn't absolutely a football coach, then please do not switch off in anger or thinking this is not for you. Give this a few minutes and let me take you on a little meandering about what I think is important to know about this. I was listening to uh, an eminent psychologist and he was talking about young people and he was talking about economics and he said that research shows that dollar for dollar, pound for pound, ruble for ruble, quatcha for quatcha, whatever the currency, euro for euro, the very best form of investment that gives the highest rate of return for a nation is investment in education and well-being of young people. Let me just say that again. The very best investment in terms of returns for a nation, pound for pound, dollar for dollar, whatever the currency is, education and well-being input into young people. And it kind of makes sense when you look at it. And uh, I'm going to take that as uh, as having a degree of validity. Um, I haven't researched it myself. I've just taken the word from the eminent psychologist myself. But it seems to make sense. I mean, I don't know about you, you folks, um, but I will hold my hand up and say that I am absolutely eternally grateful for the well-being that I had as a young person and the educational opportunities that I was afforded. I have absolutely no idea where I'd be without that. And I think there are probably, I'm sure there are many thousands, if not millions of people who are in the same place, whether they feel the same way as me, I do not know. But I hope they do. So if you are a football coach, 
do not forget you are part of educating and creating skills and attitudes and developing young people. And these young people, whichever nation you are in, wherever you're listening to this podcast in Canada or America, United States, New Zealand, Australia, France, Northern Europe, wherever, South Asia, wherever you're listening to this podcast, your nation and your community and your society, never mind your team and, of course, the individual in question. They will all benefit, of course, but you have no idea of the ripples of effect that what you say or do or give or input into that young person, boy or girl, what the effects of that will have down the road. And there are some amazing examples of this. You only have to listen to people who have been involved in sport, no matter what that is. And it is such a common theme that they refer back to a person in their life, in addition to their parents or their teachers, who was a coach. And they talk about somebody in their life who was very often a sporting coach, who absolutely made such a drastic difference in their life in such a positive way. And it's such a great thing. And I want to read you something. And this was off social media. And it was from a grassroots football site. And it goes like this. I am 44 years of age and I still remember my football coach. He was and still is my hero. He's my hero because he gave me an opportunity to fall in love with the game. And he asked for nothing in return. He was just a good human being who wanted to give kids in his community a chance to play. We had rag-tag strips, old balls, but we didn't care. To us, he was a legend. I often wonder how many of these heroes have graced grassroots football over the years, and how many still do. In my opinion, they are the real heroes of the game. So to my hero and all the other heroes, thank you for what you do. That is courtesy of a gentleman called Paul Curtin. I don't know Paul, but I absolutely love what he's written down. So if you are a football coach, a netball coach, a cricket coach, a youth club coach, a dominoes coach, a child educator, a contributor, uh, um, somebody who washes the strips, helps at the weekends, well done. Congratulations. You are changing the world. So thank you. Let us not forget that. Absolutely amazing. And just on that theme, I listened to an interview with the tennis legend from the UK, and many of you may not remember this lady, depending on how old you are, Sue Barker. 
Sue Barker became a TV presenter after her tennis career. And she was being asked about her early tennis life. And she talked about her coach. And she said, I cannot remember ever him telling me about this stroke, about that stroke, about moving your feet, about playing like this, doing this, doing that, doing the other. He just guided me psychologically and as a person. He told me the best way to think. He corrected my attitude. He asked me questions. He made me think about things in a different way. But she talked about him in such loving terms. He obviously had an amazing effect on her life. So the lesson from that is, look, yes, if we are talking about sport and as a coach, you need to be eloquent in your game. You need to be efficient. You need to know the detail. But it is not all about that. It is about how you guide people mentally, psychologically, socially, spiritually. Your wisdom, your kindness, your example. I was on a walk the other day and I was thinking about what is it that constitutes a master coach, a master leader or manager. I'm going to take, I'm going to put my neck on the line and I'm going to give you an estimate of what I think. I think it takes something like 25% knowledge of the actual game itself, the techniques, the tactics, the rules of the game, obviously. The game itself, tennis, football, cricket. Obviously, I'm talking about football. I think another 25% comes from understanding the industry. Look, let me tell you, if you go into professional sport, and I can only really talk with any any relevance about professional football, and you do not understand the industry, you do not know how tough it is, how it works, how the, in inverted commas, the politics work, who's who, how it works financially, politically, structurally, you will be eaten alive. And you have to learn very, very quickly. You have to know the industry. So I suggest that 25% of your success will come from having or gaining the knowledge of that. But that makes 50%. So where does the other 50% come from? The other 50% surprise, surprise comes from understanding people. It's about people. My great friend and coach Kenny Swain used to say, it's a people business. How right he is. It's a people business. Ask Jurgen Klopp. Ask Pep Guardiola. Ask Angelotti. It's a people business. Yes, we need to know some details, but it's about the people. Let us not forget that. And while we're on the subject of football, I heard another great quote the other day and somebody was saying, how football dressing rooms are not run by HR and how right that person is. Team dressing rooms do not operate under the rules of some stuffy, hierarchical, rule-driven 
probably the latest media-driven philosophies and what is absolutely right and wrong. HR does not rule a football dressing room. Thank goodness for that. Hopefully, football dressing rooms are run by the players themselves. Maybe they're slightly facilitated by the management, the leaders, the coaches, but hopefully they're allowed to be run and driven and created as the phenomenal entities of spirit that they are by the players. Let's not go into that world and destroy that one as well, as we seem to do with so many We infiltrate so many things to try and whitewash them in our society, do we not? And make them perfect and equal so that nobody has any hurt feelings. Let's not get into that one any further. I want to talk to you while we're in the podcast about two or three things that I've been reminded of this week that I think are really, really important. Or I've got some learnings in them, certainly. Remember not to care too much about what other people think. I think it's a lesson that we all need to remind ourselves of on our journeys often. It's not about thinking you know it all and have it all boxed off so that you couldn't care less what anybody else thinks ever. That, if you ask me, is a recipe for failure. We have to be socially aware. We have to be humble enough to understand the world operates via communities and social enterprises and teams, not just me or you alone. And not giving a damn what other people think, always and forever, is probably a highly egotistical approach to life that has a destiny of failure. But it's vital that you know your own mind, you have analysed yourself, and you know where you are, who you are, and why you are doing what you're doing. And it is not relevant, essentially, what other people think, because they will think it anyway. So there is that golden mean, that that correct place where it's, look, I'm not saying forever and a day you do not ever care what anybody thinks. We are saying be aware. Do not care too much what other people think because they're going to do it anyway. And while we're on that subject of ego, I heard an eminent footballer and presenter say he was talking about one of the greatest clubs in the world in terms of size. It was Gary Neville. He was talking about Manchester United. And he said, Manchester United is so big and so established, it cannot ever fail. I wholeheartedly disagree. Not because it's Manchester United, 
but because nothing is too big, too great, too established ever not to fail. There are too many things and too many examples in history and in life that go against that. Who would ever have thought in time that the British Empire would become what it is today? Who would ever have thought that Rome, the Roman Empire, ruled half the world? Manchester United may think it's big. We're talking about the Roman Empire no longer in existence. The Tower of Babel and so on and so on and so on. There are many warnings about that kind of ego. Nothing is too great to fail. Everything needs attention at its roots. Otherwise, it is going to rot. Beware of that kind of thinking. And Gary eloquently was talking about resilience as well. And he's a great one for that. He's obviously a a guy who works extremely hard at what he does. But he also talked about the dangers of that as well. And I much prefer what Brian Johnson talks about. And I've talked about his work many times in his Entheos website. And he talks about not not resilience, but being anti-fragile. Anti-fragile. You can be as tough as you like, but if you get dropped from a height, you can shatter and splint and break. If you're anti-fragile, like you have a rubber casing, you've probably got a greater chance of surviving. You can be a great tall tree, But if you have that flexibility and you can bend and bow in the wind, you will survive as a grass does. If you're a stiff twig and the wind comes, you can snap and be blown over. Let us think about being survivors and going through the process of the art of allowing and the process of going with the flow at times doesn't mean you give in. It doesn't mean that you go with things you don't believe in. It means that you understand situations better and you know what you can win and you know what you cannot. You cannot win everything all the time. As a Stoic philosophy often says, it's about knowing what you can control and what you cannot control. Maybe think about anti-fragility not just pure resilience. And that led me on to a thought process about struggle. And look, there is great, there are great, it's a great thought process to have, to know which battles to engage in. It could be one of the greatest things you ever master, if ever you do. As Shakespeare said, to be or not to be, to take up arms against a sea of troubles or not to take up arms against a sea of troubles. To engage in a bitter dispute or to let it go. To argue or to just let it go. And do we have to fight everything? 
Life doesn't have to be a struggle from morning till night. Yes, life is tough. Yes, life's a struggle. We know that. We've talked about it many times. But choose your battles. And if it's your battle, your heart is on the line, you wholeheartedly believe in it, you give it everything you've got. You go on hunger strike, you achieve your goal. But if you try and go on hunger strike for every little decision you come across in the day, it ain't going to work, is it? And as Mother Teresa said, don't come and invite me to an anti-war rally. I will not be attending. But if you've got a march for peace, I'll be at the front. What's she saying? She's saying that we need to go beyond the struggle, beyond the battle in our minds. You know, if we fight every day in the inner turmoil about this and that and the other, and emails and phone calls and aggression and and, and fighting and, and claiming, what do we do? We add fuel to the fire. We increase it, we make it worse. It gets bigger in our minds. It seems to have a life of its own. What happens when we move on? Our mind goes somewhere else, into that arena of peace, into that nature. We let it go, we drop it, we move on. Things suddenly change. We need to be aware and understand where we have our minds. And let us, as the Buddhists often talk about, think about going to that place beyond the struggle. Rumi, the amazing poet, said something like, out beyond the struggle and out beyond the turmoil, I paraphrase, there is a field. I will meet you there. There's very few things that are as beautiful as that. I will meet you there. And the last thing for today on today's podcast. We often struggle and strive, do we not? And we we talk about it on the podcast and we say, listen, how great that is that you make self-improvements all the time and you you get better at this and better at that and, you, and, and whatever your thing, tennis, football, rugby, cricket, sport, business, swimming, you get better at this, your stroke gets better, your results get better, your footwork gets better, your, you know, your, your posture's better, your movement, your strength, your numbers. Admirable, 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 admirable. But as Ryan Holiday reminded me and thousands of others, I should imagine, what is real, true self-improvement? Self-improvement on another scale. That, my friends, is being a better man or a better woman. A better person. Somebody who thinks more, who cares more, and helps somebody else. It may be in a quiet, unknown way, but that is real self-improvement. Thanks for getting through the podcast. 
been great to share. Hope it's helped a little bit. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Don't forget, if you like what you've heard, you think it's great, please share the podcast, share the links, leave us a review. It always helps. Much appreciated. Catch you later. Bye-bye. The Leader Manager Coach Podcast is available via the Leader Manager Coach app. Download it now to access the rich resource of unique, insightful, and educational material to help you on your own journey in football, sport, and life. Leader Manager Coach. For the game. For life. Available now on Google Play and Apple App Store.